Hello, people of Earth, and welcome to How Did This Get Made? This is a very special episode. We are incepting an episode of The Deep Dive, a podcast hosted by June Diane Raphael and Jessica St. Clair, into our How Did This Get Made feed, because you know what? It's really important. Um, June was able to sit down with Amy Merrill, who is a activist, an artist, and a co-founder and digital director of an abortion pill info campaign, which you might have heard of, called PlanCPills.org. I talked about this on Last Looks last week, and she answers all of your questions about how to still access abortion care if you are in a state where that is no longer an option, um, and also answers all your questions about the Plan C pill. I learned so much from listening to this episode. There is so much to say here about abortion access. It's an issue where 80% of Americans believe that women should have the right to choose. And the fact that it's been taken away is nauseating and makes me want to rage. And I'm so happy that someone like June and someone like Amy can have a very rational, smart, and educated conversation about it where it's just not hand-wringing. It is real information. It is helpful information. So please pass this not to someone you want to convince about the fact that women should have the right to choose because in a weird way, I think they're too far gone if they don't believe that that's the case. But to any woman out there that has questions, to people who need to find out how to access care, how to access this pill, the Plan C pill, and you'll learn so much from Amy and June, and I'm so excited to share it with you. Hi, I'm Jessica St. Clair. And I'm June Diane Raphael. And this is The The Deep Dive. Dive. We're about to do what women have done for centuries. We're crowding around the fire with our generous haunches. We got babies hanging off our tits and we're gonna share with you our fears. That's right, our joys. Our tips on how to stay alive. Now Jess, we are heeding a call that no one has made. Not a soul, but you're invited to listen. Absolutely, because we make one promise and one promise only. We will not Google a thing, because frankly, we're too damn tired. Please get ready to go on The The Deep Deep Dive. Dive. Deep Divers, June here. I'm solo on today's uh, conversation. Um, Jessica is not here. She really, really wanted to be, but we could not. Um, she Something came up and she could not join today's conversation. I did tease our very, very special guest last week. Um, and we had just discussed that when we originally scheduled this recording, it was in a uh, different world and Roe v. Wade was still intact So we're going to have a conversation about a few things today and specifically about Plan C. And I am so thrilled to introduce Amy Merrill. She is an artist, an activist, co-founder and digital director of abortion pill info campaign Plan C, plancpills.org. She heads up web design, which is how I originally know her because of her work at the Jane Club there. 
and communication studios, Eyes Open, eyesopendesign.com. Amy's background in nonprofit management and social impact startups led her to complex issues like volunteerism, human trafficking, and gender inequality, ultimately landing on reproductive health equity as a core focus and the launch of Plan C. Amy also performs in post-apocalyptic concept band, formerly Alien, formerly Alien.com, and currently lives in Los Angeles. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the deep dive and spending your time with us. I know you're being, I'm sure you're being pulled in a million directions, but I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to have you here. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you, June. Um, I was just reflecting on the last couple of years, the the adventures we've been on together through the Jane Club and um, marveling at how much we've experienced together. And um, yeah, at that time, you know, Plan C was sort of a side a side project. It was a more nascent idea, but um, it. It's we've been at it for about six years, and this week is very different than all of what's led up to it. So can you take us through? Um, and I, I kind of for, for some of our deep divers just want to do a primer on what happened last week and what uh, the realistic implications w- will look like. Absolutely. So. On Friday, the Supreme Court made a decision that effectively overturned the federal protections of Roe v. Wade, uh, any federal abortion protections. Now, we can get into uh, whether those protections were actually serving everyone already, um, but this was a monumental, this was a devastating blow to abortion access, and it actually doesn't line up with public opinion. People are probably seeing that in the news media as well, but 80% of the country supports abortion right now, statistically speaking, and um, with the lack of social safety. 80%. Yeah, that's the latest polling. 80%. And yet, um, this decision uh, was made by nine justices, right? Um, uh, And so it's, it's, uh, it's just an injustice. It's racist. It's classist. It's, um, it's massively politically motivated. And uh, we know that people will keep seeking abortion. So that's the thing. Abortions don't wait and people Mm. need care for a wide variety of reasons. That is none of our business, but, um, anything, you know, we we're we're looking at it from, they want one. That's That's right. Great reason. That's right. So from from reasons, so from reasons of, um, human rights to medical safety, Uh, People are going to continue to need access despite this ruling and despite the trigger bans and the laws that are now sweeping the country and that are being being um, in put enacted, rolled out in half of the country. So what we do at Plan C is share information on safe, self-managed abortion with abortion pills by mail. And this information has become more critical than ever. Um, it's not a substitution for reproductive rights and access for all, but it is a very safe and very effective method, which we can talk about the actual method itself, what abortion pills are, but it's extremely safe and effective, and it is available by mail and uh, with potential option of telehealth or with free hotline support from all 50 states. 
So right now is the time for us all to be sharing out this information. And really, it's a paradigm shift. It's something we've been talking about at Plan C for six years now. Um, People thought we were pretty fringy six years Mm -hmm. ago when we started talking about uh, searching the internet for online pharmacies and finding abortion pills. Rightfully so, right? There's, there's, um, we wish that the medical system or that the systems that be would just support someone in their experience and their decision, but that's not the reality we're living in. And we just got hit with that in a more direct way than ever before on Friday. And who does this harm? Obviously, it harms folks who are already facing undue burdens, undue uh, barriers to care. And so mm. that's why the movement, the the reproductive health movement, and really the entire country, uh, from what I saw online this past week, is really rising up to finally reclaim this as a community care, as a as a basic human right, as a basic need, and as community care. So um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk about self-managed abortion um, and get the word out about it as an option so that people know. So, Amy, what exactly is the difference between Plan B and Plan C? So at Plan C, we consider Plan A birth control and Plan B is the morning after pill. If you're um, not able to use birth control or if it fails, and that is actually high dose of birth control used within the first couple of days after a, a potential after sex. And then plan C is our term for abortion pills, which can be used up to 12 weeks. And that's a combination of FDA approved meds, mifepristone and misoprostol. So it's a different medication and it's a, it's a much wider window of time. And so this is a method that's been around for two decades. It's, it was mifepristone was FDA approved 20 years ago. It's something that is very commonly used for self-managed abortion all around the world. Um, millions and millions of people all around the world are self-managing their abortions at home um, every year. And in other countries, up to 90% of all abortions are with pills. And we are seeing more and more people using pills in the U.S. as they become more known. And um, people recognize the convenience, the lower cost, the confidentiality of the pills. We're seeing that shift happen. Right now, I think it's about 54% of um, of in-clinic abortions, people are choosing pills. Um, and so I can mention that as well. You know, abortion pills are uh, what you would get in a medication abortion in a Planned Parenthood. You're offered the choice between surgical or medication abortion. Can I ask one question, Amy? Absolutely. So, so surgical abortions um, in states right now where abortion is still, surgical abortion is still legal. Yeah. You can have an abortion. So so I'm just like going through the numbers of how many weeks we've lost. And I think yeah. it is important when we talk about 12 weeks to really understand out what week you even know your Pregnant, especially because we have so many young women listening to this podcast. And, you know, for me, I'm I really have only started to fully understand my menstrual cycle, hormones, all of it at the ripe age of 42. So, I mean, that's a whole other conversation on why, you know, even just understanding and education around our own bodies and how they work seems to be so limited. So. You might not realize that you're even pregnant until you miss your period around maybe five weeks, six weeks. And that's assuming you have a pretty regular period. 
So then you have up until 12 weeks to seek out a self-managed um, at-home FDA-approved Plan C abortion pill. Now, if you make a decision post-12 weeks, what do our choices look like in states where abortion is currently legal? I'd love to give a little context on what the mechanism of action is for the abortion pills. So, Perfect. Okay, so mifepristone is the first of the two, and it's uh, one pill, and it blocks the pregnancy hormones. So speaking of hormones, it's your body stops saying that it's pregnant, and then 24 to 48 hours later, the misoprostol uh, causes cramping in the uterus and basically expels the pregnancy like a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And so that's what the medications are doing Um you're absolutely right about the window. I want to highlight that's why something like an eight-week ban is so harmful. And people are probably already seeing this in the news and the conversation about that something like an eight-week ban. But already you're dealing with this shrinking window of time yes. where you just realized you're pregnant. You don't want to be pregnant. You can't be pregnant. And you're you're scrambling to try to find that in-person service, to try to book that clinic. Sometimes mm -hmm. clinics are booked two weeks out. It's incredibly stressful. Um, and it it ultimately does have potential medical consequences if you can't get the care you need when you need it. So we're already dealing with that in states. And again, to, to mark that in this um, monumental thing that happened on Friday with the courts, we're already seeing that in states like Texas, where there yep. is a ban in place. And so clinics have had to close. And so um, you're, you're talking about a situation where what we know from the research is that the earlier a woman or person with the capacity for pregnancy knows that they're pregnant and doesn't want to be pregnant, the earlier they know, the earlier they're going to manage it. Because being in a body that is pregnant, that when you don't want to be pregnant, is not an ideal state. And so there, we know that about people, that they're going to deal with it as soon as possible. Um, we know that clinics are already up against so much. And so adding the option of self-managed or abortion pills by mail with infrastructure, which we can talk about, resources that are all available set up to support someone's individual journey, that really does address this window of time. So if you know at mm. eight weeks, you go online, you start to learn about your options, maybe you go through the Plan C guide, you see what's available in your state, you see, oh, I have a telehealth option in my state, or maybe I live in a restricted state and I see online pharmacies or I see mail forwarding to get telehealth from another state. There's all of these different options available to you. And you decide, is that going to work for me? There's ship times, there's costs, there's, is this, are the pills going to get to me in a week's time? Okay, that's still within the 12 week window. And so it all checks out and I'm going to take care of my needs that way. Um, the thing to mention about when it starts to get later term. And the reason I had to kind of back up and start about this I, this window is that we hear about late term abortions because of the narrative of the political debate and mm. the desire for what we call the anti-choice to focus on the later term, because as you can imagine, it's part of the, the story, but it's a very low percentage of people that actually do end up. Now, with what's shifting, with resources being decimated, we will see people um, or, or we may see this window of time change because people are struggling to get resources. Again, that's why Plan C has their megaphone out to tell everyone about these options. But the point that I want to mention about um, the if there is a need for follow-up or if there is a need for care a little bit later, um, 
a point that we have on our FAQs on the website is that this is effectively a miscarriage in the body. And if you don't trust, or if there's any reason why you don't want to share with the um, emergency room, for example, that you self-managed, then it effectively looks and behaves like a miscarriage. And so you can um, choose to tell the team that you are having a miscarriage. So these are the kinds of details that we are sharing on our guide to ensure that someone can be well and not be at risk of criminalization and still get the essential medical care they need at the time that they need it. So in the um, probably rare case that you'd have excessive bleeding and needed to seek medical care, um, you would not have to go to your doctor or emergency room and say, I took the abortion pill, you could just say, I think I'm miscarrying. I'm having a miscarriage. You are. It's, you it's, are. it's, it's medically what is happening. And I want to also mention right, right away, the MA hotline is an incredible resource. It's a free medical hotline staffed by medical professionals. Um, you can call with any question. They will consult anyone on their particular needs, their particular situation. And alongside of that, the free Repro Legal Helpline, uh, reprolegalhelpline.org, is staffed by lawyers at If, When, How that are uh, all lawyering for reproductive justice. And they are there to answer anyone's particular legal questions. So like what we just talked about, um, they will counsel someone on their state, on their situation, and ensure that they understand the particulars of their potential legal risk, their potential for criminalization, and the options that mm-hmm. they still have um, to, to make a decision. And I want to I wanna also, um, uh, I know all these things that we're talking about are like, um, it's not ideal, right? These systems are not ideal. What we have to acknowledge right now is that the system hasn't been ideal for a really long time. Right. It's a patchwork quilt. It's totally unjust. It's totally racist, classist, misogynist. And so what we're trying to do at Plan C and at so many of the other organizations that we work with in the reproductive health access justice space that are trying to look to the future, invest energy in the future of the model mm-hmm. that we can that we can move toward, we're trying to, to look at uh, where is the locus of control? Where where is the decision-making and the self-determination? And right now, there's so much of the, the control and so much of the energy is around what does the politician want, right? What does this politician mm-hmm. want for their state? Or even what does the medical system want? What is the provider-centered drip, you know, provider care, um, the, the dispensing or the managing of someone's care? all so often from the best of intentions, but all wrapped up in a medical system that is very broken. So we're interested in a situation where we move the locus of control back to the individual and that it becomes about what does the individual want to need and how can we equip them with all of the most vetted evidence-based information so that they really can make a decision that's best for them. And again, it might not be ideal. And to your question, there might there are still going to be situations where people have to travel, where people mm-hmm. have to seek in-person care. Absolutely. And that's why we have to keep supporting the clinics, keep supporting the abortion funds and the logistics nonprofits that are going to be making this happen. And we have to ensure as someone is sitting with that moment of, oh, my goodness, I'm pregnant. Oh, my goodness. I sit in a state that I read in the news just banned abortion. We're trying to help them understand what is their suite of options so that they still feel like they have an ability to keep themselves okay.
I'm wondering, Amy, when you talked about cost, can you take us through um, the scenario in which a pregnant person is living in a state where abortions are now banned? They are, let's say, eight, nine weeks pregnant and want to seek out their plan C and abortion and an abortion pill, self-managed abortion at home. They go online to plan C and they see that they can have maybe a telehealth appointment in another state or speak to someone. Is that person on the other line a, a doctor? So if someone is seeking the telehealth type experience, which I do want to mention has become so common, we watched during the pandemic as telehealth became the way for anything that didn't need to be in person. So I want to acknowledge the harmful nature of already we are isolating telehealth abortion from telehealth, whatever else kind of healthcare, right? And already states are able to ban telehealth abortion while they still allow all these other kinds of telehealth. So again, just to highlight the injustice of it and the harmful nature of what happens when you don't just include abortion as healthcare in a society. So this is the situation. If someone is saying, you know, I don't want to do this on my own. I, I really need to understand from a medical professional what I'm choosing then one amazing option um, that uh, or amazing story of something that came online about four years ago here in the States, already um, a, a doctor in the Netherlands named Dr. Rebecca Gompertz was recognizing the human rights disaster that was unfolding in the U.S. She's someone who has been an activist for probably her, her whole life, but she's been um, doing abortion access work for over a decade. She was highlighted in a film called Vessel about 10 years ago, where she was in a ship going to countries where abortion was banned. And she was parking the ship in the international waters, 30 feet off the shore. And she was giving abortions on the ship, sending people back to shore, not only to just serve their immediate need and and care from a human rights lens, but also to highlight how arbitrary it was Mm. that you can get an abortion here, but you can't get one on the shores of your own country where you live. So um, the the service that has uh, taken, whole, uh, it's transformed into abortion pills by mail because D- Dr. Gompertz recognized the incredible disruptive power of these pills in the mail with or without telehealth with, you know, this, what the model that we're describing here. And so she's been serving the U.S. since 2018, all 50 states. She got a letter from the FDA at some point saying, you know, cease and desist. And she basically wrote back saying, I'm doing everything according to my own country's laws and my medical practice. And so is the pharmacy. And so, you know, tough luck. luck I'm going to serve people. Yeah. Yeah. So even in a restricted state like you're describing, one option, which will be listed on the Plan C guide if the person goes and, and looks at their options, will be aidaccess.org. And um, that is going to be, uh, and I, I should say, actually, um, even calling something telehealth, um, there's these terms synchronous or asynchronous care Um Sometimes the experience is going to be like a long survey online that has them fill out all their information to understand their um, particular situation and that this is a fit for them, that they are 
qualified for the service, all of that. And sometimes it's going to be a video consult. The research is showing that people actually don't really even want the video consult often if they're give in a Give me a, a pill, situation. baby. I'll fill give out a Google pill. survey. Give me that fucking pill. Let's get it in the mail. <laughs> That's it. That's give me it. a pill. Give me a motherfucking pill. And that's pop it the in my same. mouth, I'll take a sip of water, <laughs> and let's go. Give me a pill. I don't need to speak to anyone. That's right. It's right. And again, it's so it's such a it's such a patriarchal model of like right. we're gonna tell you the steps you need to take. No, no, no. Let's ask the person. Let's ask the woman. Yep. What kind of experience do you want? And what questions do you have? What are your concerns? Do you want to be on a Zoom call with a doctor or no, like thanks. you're saying? So same with the follow-up care, which is pretty interesting. And again, I was, I'm not a public health researcher, but I've been deep in this for six years. And the research on follow-up care is that people don't want just a, a mandatory week later check-in. They want access to someone if they have questions or concerns. Mm-hmm. They want to have that person on the line. They want the MA hotline to be able to answer their questions immediately they don't want to be told you must check in with us X days later. They just want to know when and why would I check in? What should I expect? How's it going to be? And then right. what do I need to know for, for follow-up? So Right. Do the cramps feel like menstrual cramps? Yeah. Should I be expecting labor pains? What is the... Yeah, of course. So those are some of the options that a person might have in a restricted state. Um. And I was yeah. asking too about costing me. So you oh, go yes. on. So so I either fill out a survey or if I want to talk to um, someone via telehealth, I, I can. Um, and then I eventually get to the point where the, there are two options of pills, correct? The method is two, or two types pills. of medication. Yeah. So you're okay. going to get the full package from this provider or from this pharmacy. From this pharmacy. And how much do they cost? Great question. So what we understand, I want to start with the baseline cost, which is what we understand that they cost in a country like India, where they're manufactured, they would cost like $7 in a pharmacy. Here in the U.S., you're going to start around 150 Um, So I want to highlight that for equity reasons and for just noticing what happens in our capitalist economy. Um, Obviously, there's a a handful of female telehealth abortion provider uh, startup founders that have come online in the last two years under the pandemic to serve people in states where telehealth abortion is not banned. I want to highlight that as well because they're remarkable. They're doing this service for 24 states, I think. And that is the the kind of telehealth we started by talking about, which is like just your normal telehealth appointment. It's in the state you live in. It's all, you know, whatever. And um, those services are typically a couple hundred dollars. And I believe all of those telehealth providers are offering sliding scale right now because they're not about to turn someone away. And so what we're um, seeing happen as well is that funds are starting to recognize the opportunity to spread the funding from, yes, in clinics, uh, clinics still need funds, people still need logistical support, and these telehealth services are going to need more and more funding so that they can continue to do sliding scale. And so a telehealth provider like Hey Jane here in California, I believe is $250 for everything, appointment, pills, shift, follow-up, all in. 
And then um, eight access, uh, I would have to check. I think it's around 150 and then sliding scale all the way to zero. If you can't pay, no problem. And um, this is in contrast as well to, you know, clinic clinic care, uh, the, the, the clinics, my heart aches for them because they, again, are up against so much. Uh, so many of these clinics are sometimes only in their state. Mm-hmm. They're filled up with appointments. They're doing it against all odds and they're raising funds on their own. I mean, the system that we have set up here is so fragmented. Um, I recently listened to just a side note. I listened to a podcast on the New York Times Daily about the Mexican model of abortion, which has uh, its, its roots in a sort of a model called the accompaniment model, which is like women helping women, people, mm. people, uh, helping each other access mm. the medication and be accompanied as they go through the experience. And the podcast interview is amazing because the activist looks at the U S and says, mm, yeah, we see what you did over there. We, we, we understand why you did it. This network of clinics and funds and independent, you know, it's all kind of fragmented. And then nine justices can decide your basic rights. Um, but it's pretty, it's, it's pretty vulnerable. And that was before the Roe decision had wow. come through. So I just want to honor um, the clinic and fund and activists work on the ground in those red states and the chaos and the unraveling that uh, this decision has caused. And so I guess I share all that because in terms of cost, they are the, you know, the in-person services cost money, the personnel cost money. But back to the option of if self-managed is something someone wants to choose, needs to choose, um, knows that they have available, you can see on the guide, it's probably going to be a couple hundred dollars on average, like, uh, uh, let's say a hundred to 300 typical range. And if you don't have that money, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then, uh, then a lot of, we, we recommend if you are contacting one of these provider services, not necessarily the online pharmacies, cause they're sort of like an online business and you're not going to have as much direct contact, but with the providers, we recommend people always ask, do you have sliding scale and can you help me financially? Um, again, that's because the funding, the, the kind of shift in funding is starting with the activist providers themselves. And we expect that I it's going to continue to change. Um, there's a wonderful fund called RAP here in California that serves um, uh, serves all across the nation. And I believe they're starting to offset telehealth costs, um, a provider that runs a service called Forward Midwifery um, is also has just started a fund specifically to offset telehealth abortion. Um, it's called the Abortion Freedom Fund. I can share a list of resources after this. That would call. be amazing. If, yeah, because I know right now um, we really are trying to offer a, a, a set of resources that people can just know about and also share out. That's like, what do you need to know if you're seeking an abortion? What do you need to know if you want to donate? What do you need to know if you want to just get in this movement and make some change? I'm sure there are a lot of uh, people listening right now who also, you know, are are sickened by the idea that someone might choose the path of self-managed, safe at home abortions through an abortion pill and not be able to afford the cost of that pill. So any resources, let's and and we will post it as well. where where we could donate directly to funds that are are supporting those costs and making this accessible would be incredible. Amy, I want to just go back for a second to 
Um, and this is specifically for uh, people in red states who, mm-hmm. where it is illegal to seek an abortion at a clinic or through their provider. If they go on to Plan C, if they um, are able to fill out a survey, let's just even like ignore the telehealth for now. They're just going to fill out that survey. They're able to purchase the pill. Um, should they be concerned and it ships, I don't know how long it ships in a couple days. They know they're going to be able to manage this abortion at home. Should they be concerned at all about legal repercussions of that pill arriving in the mail at their home or at their workplace? Um, Could we just directly address that? Great question. And that is the number one area of questions. The area of questions that are coming up right now are around legal because that is directly related to the the change that just happened from SCOTUS. So I want to start by saying Again, the criminalization of care is a massive human rights violation. No one should be criminalized for managing their own health care and for taking care of their own body. And um, we believe that politicians need to stop legislating health care, period, in this way, in this harmful way. Regardless, we know that any potential criminalization will fall on people who are already facing these kinds of discriminatory obstacles and who are already being targeted by our Mm -hmm justice system, Black, Indigenous, other people of color, LGBTQIA community, people with disabilities in rural areas, low income. So I really want to speak to that and say, yeah, we have to talk about risk of criminalization. And we have to also mention who gets criminalized in this country and center them in, in the conversation and in the kind of efforts toward building what comes next. That said, what we at Plan C also take a hard look at is um, who is being targeted in these laws and bans that are being passed, right? Very often, the laws are targeting the providers of care. They're shutting down clinics. They're targeting providers. They're targeting the helpers of care. It's much less common that a law targets the pregnant person and criminalizes the pregnant person. Again, Uh, We know that criminalization happens for all sorts of reasons here in this country, but I just want to highlight that and people can do their own research on that, can learn more about that and see what what do these laws actually say? Because that's so important in a Mm -hmm. world where media is flying, where headlines are flying and we're seeing, oh, my God. Abortion is banned. Abortion is done. Abortion is canceled. Like, again, these are it's so harmful and it's so chaotic and it has such direct Mm. and dangerous, medically dangerous uh, causes, immense fear and immediate barriers. It's it's harmful to the clinic system. It's doing all sorts of um, it's making incredible impact on the systems that be. And. We have to keep focused on what can we do where what can we do, because this person needs care right now. That's the other conversation I'm hearing right now is around harm reduction. Like this person needs care and they're going to find care. So we have to also think about harm reduction. That's why we need to be sure they know their options. And my final response to your question is that um, privacy is absolutely coming up in the national conversation right now in the media headlines. What, what are our privacy rights? Can people just start opening mail, right? Mm -hmm. Can we just start getting tracked and our data handed over and 
These are all very real concerns. It's very concerning and it's very indicative of a different kind of society or maybe one that we see ourselves kind of edging toward anyway. So I think those are also the conversations we we need to continue to have to air into the light. Like, what are we actually talking Mm -hmm. about here? Oh my God, we're talking about someone being criminalized for seeking their health care and then someone opening their mail. And then, yeah, last you know, time I someone, that was a federal offense. These are all concerns, and we don't want them to um, be louder than the information that can help people be okay in the face of these incredibly unjust bans. I really hear that. And I'm just, um, I'm thinking about, you know, honestly, I'm thinking about my own, my first experience at Planned Parenthood when I was in high school and mm. driving one of my girlfriends to get birth control um, and really, and, and for myself, remembering what it was like to be a young woman and not know everything about how my body worked and being scared. Yeah. Um, and that's with a lot of the access that I did have and... Um, not that I necessarily have parents I thought I could talk to about that because I didn't at all, but Same. I could, yeah, did not at all, uh, no. but I could probably get money if I needed to, you know, and I could prob- probably find people to help me if I needed to. And I wasn't fearing, um, criminalization as a, you know, white 16 year old woman. Um, I fear, but I did have fears of, of, of what would happen. And I did not understand how my body worked even on a, just a basic level. So it is really deeply upsetting for me to think about. It just guts me. I think if I have to come back to why this is happening and, and why what you're speaking to is so, um, like the like when when you can reflect on your teenage experience from where you are now and think oh my god think about that fear think about that and 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 about what right like who are these laws for like what is this actually about like what if we could allow our young women to and our young people with uteruses female identified to just like fully celebrate this mm. <laughs> miraculous body that we're in again i know we're talking about like different realities at this point but um i appreciate you sharing that um because i guess it brings me to like where can we find power then right like in the face of all of this how can we reclaim our collective power how can we move toward community care how can we be well how can we be savvy and smart um final kind of technical point would be there are resources out there for digital security. So as, as you're saying, like as someone thinks about their risk and thinks about how to be safe, there's um, two organizations that I'll send you as well, EFF.org and digitaldefensefund.org. And they're giving people step-by-step, here's what you need to know. Here's how to use your phone privately. And all of these things are just tools to keep Mm -hmm. us savvy in the face of these, um, these new realities. Yes. And I'm also thinking about internet access and, uh, yeah, broadband access and all of these issues that that are, um, intertwined and, um, young women and young pregnant people who are in super rural areas. And all of this is, um, in, you know, 
all of this connects and it is a bigger picture, mm-hmm. but I am so, I am so relieved to uh, know about this other option. And I really do hope that what you said when I asked about, is it legal for these bills to come in the mail? I really do hope that, you know, the framework you just offered is really heard, which is that we have legal rights in terms of our mail arriving and in terms of what we decide to put in our mouth. And that is our own private choice. And there are privacy laws in place and we can make these decisions. And And yeah, yeah, and if I can just add to, I mean, I I actually, um, to the question, I, I, I keep coming back to the illegitimacy of these laws because we don't want to give them any more legitimacy. They're, they're, they're um, you know, I, I, I would highlight the way that AOC showed up in this moment over the weekend. AOC has been very loud um, about Plan C and about all of these alternate routes of access, um, no matter what state you live in. She actually put on Instagram over the weekend, I live in New York. I'm here to help anyone who needs an abortion anywhere. And a quote from MLK that said, in the face of unjust laws, it is our moral obligation to disobey them. And so we have a politician making those kinds of statements. And so I think I I just want to share that too, because um, uh, it's, it's time. And what the shift that I'm watching now is that we're finally taking a hard look at, again, what are these laws and who are they for? And um, questioning, questioning and, and being sure that we are moving toward justice. Mm -hmm. And it's messy, but this is the conversation we need to be having and uh, we need to be putting energy into ensuring the folks that you're you're referencing in these questions and in these examples are able to find access no matter what their particular situation, no matter what the politicians in their state are trying to do, and then be well, have the information they need as they go uh, so that they can make decisions that are best for themselves. Amy, I just want to touch on pregnancy crisis centers. Oh, um, yeah. Because, uh, I, again, I just keep on thinking of the young women and young people who are in these situations and are desperate and are scared and are driving along the road in Texas or wherever they are in a red state and see a sign that says pregnancy crisis center and think like, oh, great, this is where I'm going to go for help. Can you give us a bit of information on what pregnancy crisis centers actually do? Great question. Crisis pregnancy centers, or we call them CPCs. They're also oh, I misspoke. Called... Thank you. No, crisis no, no. Pregnancy That's... centers. Crisis pregnancy centers. CPCs or fake clinics, as what the movement calls them, um, these are locations that don't actually offer abortion care. They are advertising in the manner that you describe. They're saying pregnant, need Need help, help. call us, come here. And they counsel people and they are, to my understanding, religiously motivated. They counsel people out of their abortions. They don't actually give them the option for an abortion. They delay any potential care so that 
maybe someone is at risk of missing that window that we talked about at the beginning. And, um, and they are, uh, I will say, really successful online as well in getting to the top of search results. They're paying for ads. They are um, coming up. There's an article I read two weeks ago that said on Google Maps right now, uh, 37% of results for searching for abortion access are coming up with fake clinic results. Um, so it is incredibly wow. Wow. problematic. The misinformation is flying. Um, our team has been t- working to address it, and we did actually successfully um or I think it was a, a couple of different organizations were working with Google to ensure that the CPCs have to check a box for their ads that says, we do not provide abortions. The ad will say does not provide abortions. So I think that shifts will continue to be made um, to correct the information as it comes up in search, but it it is super problematic and it's going to become more of an issue as clinics have to close and they go offline or they stop running billboards or balancing the CPC information with with legitimate evidence-based information and then um, that's going to be the only thing that someone sees. So I would say, you know, the name of the game once again is sharing this information so people know what they're seeing when they see a CPC billboard. They know that it's not going to offer them an abortion And if someone is not in need of an abortion, but they want to get involved in that particular cause, there's a campaign at exposefakeclinics.com, I believe is the URL. I'll share it in the after in the notes. And this is a campaign that is um, enabling people to write reviews or to send feedback on this particular clinic that's going to populate into the Google reviews and make sure it clarifies. So if someone is, That's great. If someone does have access to the internet and they're finding the clinic that way, they'll see in the reviews, oh, this place does not. And they have only one star or they have a half a star or whatever it is because they're misleading. It's it's um, deceptive. And so that is going to be, I think what comes next is that the search results and the um, advertising in person is going to continue to shift and change. Um, and all we can do is share this information out to be sure people know what that really is. So anything in closing, Amy? So one other option that I didn't get to mention yet was something called advanced provision, which is a really common practice with other medications. It's just a medical provider giving someone a medication in advance in case they might need it. And this is something that providers are starting to do with abortion pills. So Aid Access, the over the international organization that we talked about earlier, is doing advanced provision. Anyone can go to the Aid Access website and ask for pills in advance. Those orders are being backlogged because the folks who need care are being prioritized, but you can get an order going. And in some of the states where telehealth abortion is allowed, those providers are also doing advanced provision of pills. So that's a kind of, I would call it like a breakthrough strategy or an idea of just getting pills in medicine cabinets, getting this medication in people's hands. That is Plancy's vision is this option in the hands of the person who seeks it. So the advanced provision is a, is, is something hopeful and something that people can do. Um, and yep, then I got, a, I got Allegra, I got Nasacort and I want to see my abortion pills in there as well. That's right. That's right. We, we've talked, too, about what if at a um, community organization or a local grassroots organization, you were given a little bag as you left, and it's condoms, it. plan B, and abortion pills, plan C. 
Amen. So let's Sounds keep like designing. The simplest, simplest thing I've ever heard. Yes. Yes, ma'am. We yes. have to keep thinking this way. We have to keep thinking about the future and about what's still possible. And so that's what I would say about Plan C as well, is that we exist as an information resource. We want people to know that no matter what state they live in, they still have options and they still have free resources available to them to support them and guide them through this experience. And you can find everything as a starting point at plancypills.org. And then I'll share a slew of resources for folks who want to get involved in the movement as well. Wonderful. And deep divers, you can head to plancpills.org to learn more about um, their work and the abortion pill information campaign. And I will say, you know, I always say I don't respond to DMs, but I do read them. And uh, I'm changing my policy. We're talking about policy changes. I'm changing my policy. And deep divers, my DMs are wide open. And if you have any questions um, about this, if you are a young pregnant person, if you're a pregnant person and you don't know what to do, I can make myself available via DM to um, try to direct you to the right resources. And Amy, thank you so much. I know you're doing so much right now. And uh, so many of us are so appreciative of this type of forward thinking, these options that are available and, um, you know, providing I know we're talking about reproductive health, but I'm going to say reproductive freedom and justice, because if we do not have access to um, abortions and abortion pills, then, you know, we are state-owned property and that we cannot allow to happen. And so I'm so appreciative of this conversation and the hope that you are providing so many pregnant people um, so that we have full autonomy over our bodies. Deep divers, I do hope you head to plancpills.org. And Amy, just shout out real quick the any social handles for Plan C so we can go ahead and follow and um, retweet and repost and all that jazz. Yeah, it's easy. It's just at Plan C Pills on all the platforms. Thank you so much. Thank you, June. The Deep Dive is produced by Jessica Sinclair, June Diane Raphael, and Earwolf. Our producer is Cody Fisher and sound engineer Jordan Duffy. You can listen to our ad-free and bonus episodes on Stitcher Premium. And for a free one-month trial of Stitcher, use code DEEPDIVE. And remember, the best way to support this show is to rate and review and a huge thank you to Ann Geddes for her beautiful photo that she allowed us to use for our cover art. Please head over to anngettysbaby.com and download her new app, which is a safe place you can upload and store all of your precious images of your children and share them with friends and family, plus much more. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Amy and June. And I'm so glad that we got a chance to get a little deep dive into the How Did This Get Made feed. Um, it's a great show. And if you're not listening to June and Jessica every week, you are clearly missing out. So I hope that was helpful. I hope that was interesting. And uh, go on with your day. How did this get made?